Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Say this every year, Ryan Talbot. When we get to training camp, I get jazzed up, man. It's my favorite time of year. Preseason games, however, not my favorite time of the year. And it is now officially in the books. The 2023 preseason is over. The Bills close it out with a 24-21 win over the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Uh, welcome in to Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, craft a, a burger and pair it with your favorite craft beer right now. Tops has the perfect burger and beer pairing guide. Go over to topsmarkets.com backwards slash burgers and beer. Whether you are soaking up the final days of summer or grilling out before the football game, Tops has something for everyone. Tops has everything you need to make the perfect burger beer combination. Check this out. Cobb salad burger pairs well with a wheat beer. Monster Munster burger pairs well with the Belgian pal Al. How about a pizza turkey burger? Pair that up with an amber ale or the blue cheese chipotle burger with a brown ale. Head over to topsmarkets.com for all of your favorite combination. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, not too much. Uh, a lot of roster combinations and uh, things we can kind of get into after this final preseason game today. Yeah, we have a ton to get into here. And don't you worry, we got you covered over the next couple of days as the Bills uh, make their way towards the 53-man roster and hearing Brandon Bean on the broadcast talk about it today. There's going to be some tough decisions. So I thought the best way to kind of go back and talk about this game is to start with some of the tough decisions that are facing the Bills. And not not only like the to make the roster, but what to do with the players in terms of getting them on the field once the roster is made. And I think the best place to start is the cornerback position because – you know, Kyrie Elam, there we are sitting there in the third quarter of this game, and there he still is playing. And Dane Jackson and Christian Benford had already called it a day. Christian Benford got the start in this game. I thought he played excellent. I thought when you want to talk about a player taking advantage of an opportunity, I, I will use this day and Christian Benford for the rest of time because this is a six-round pick last year that earned the starting job um, out of uh, you know preseason last year, comes back this year after you know injury kind of derailed things a year ago, comes out uh, it, you know in this training camp in preseason, 
and gets himself right back into the thick of this thing. Even with a guy like Dane Jackson coming back with all that veteran experience, he has this huge pass breakup on third down on the first drive to force a punt, comes up, shows off his tackling ability, you know, corralling Justin Fields who tried to scamper out of the pocket and have a big run himself. Listen, I was saying it on Buffalo kickoff live before the game today, and I'm going to reiterate it right now. Ryan, I think Christian Benford is CB2. Stocks through the roof right now, Matt, based on his play today. He had the right amount of physicality on that third down throw to DJ Moore. Great positioning, uh, was in, in the spot to break up that pass and potentially make a play. You mentioned the Justin Fields play. Uh, we talked at, at training camp when he had three interceptions over two days. This is someone that has risen to the occasion this summer. And I still don't know how CB2 is going to shake out, but I feel like it's a two-man race now, despite what Sean McDermott said uh, post game, I, I feel like it comes down to Benford and Dane Jackson. And, you know, when it comes to Benford, our friend Bruce exclusive had a great tweet on it today. And he said, Benford might be to Kyrie Elam what Kyle Williams was John McCargo, uh, you know, a high mm. pick that kind of uh, finds himself down in the pecking order because of the great play of someone taken on day three. And Benford looked the part today. I think that the Bills at the end of the day feel really good about this CB2 spot between Benford and Jackson, however it shakes out. And, you know, to Benford's credit, getting this final audition, getting to start for this team and making plays, I think that could go a long way in their final determination. You know, and I know if you're sitting there as a Bills fan, it's probably a bit depressing that Kyer Elam wasn't able to make some strides into being more a part of this thing than he's been. And, you know, the, in the games, it just hasn't looked what you probably wanted it to look like. But I still say like one thing that Brandon said on the broadcast and, you know, the, uh, Steve Tasker and Andrew Catalan talked to him at the beginning of the third quarter. And one of the things he kind of came back to, and they had mentioned it before he even came on was the fact that in this league, you need depth at cornerback boundary cornerback. You're going to face elite receivers. You're going to have to stop passing games and like if he doesn't win this job out of camp sure will it be a bit of a disappointment is that bus label going to get start start getting thrown a lot around even more 100 but like i think you learn a lot about a guy and it's not the worst thing in the world to have a first round pick in your back pocket for once you get into the heart of the season if you do face injuries if you if you get to a part of the season where you know maybe benford's struggling maybe dane jackson has to go in and he's struggling or vice versa then you go back to Kyer Elam. The, the deck's been reset. He's been able to kind of take a deep breath and go back to the drawing board for an, a second time, right? Because he did have to do that last year as well. And you hope that he somehow finds some traction. Ryan, I don't know how realistic a trade is just because a couple of things. Number one, I still think this is a developmental player that you know is, is learning the how to play in this league as an off-corner. I remember talking to Levi Wallace, who if you want – to find a guy that epitomized what they believed in, right? Like a kind of guy that like epitomized their culture, their, the way they want players to fit into their scheme. Levi Wallace was it. John Butler still beams when he talks about him. Levi Wallace always told me there's nothing more difficult in this league than figuring out how to become an off corner because you guys are so talented. They're so quick. They're so explosive. Like Kyer Elam, he's fast and he's explosive too, but he relies on that physicality. Um, I don't think it's the end of the line. And I think trading him, you'd have to get the right value. And I don't know if at this stage with how things have progressed, you're going to get enough of a return there. 
Yeah, and I said this in my uh, stack up, stop down article. I said, should the Bills consider trading Elam because of where he is? He's the clear cut number four uh, cornerback on the outside. You have a guy like Jamarcus Ingram who had a really nice game today. You have someone like Cam Lewis who is such a versatile player, can play uh, the nickel spot, can play at safety. It would allow you to keep another defensive back potentially, but it comes down to the fact that you would need the right return, and it's it's not easy to necessarily get that on a former first round pick. The the one thing I'll say though, is, you know, in today's day and age, the NFL, they don't have a lot of patience uh, teams in general. You look at Trey Lance, the former number three overall pick, someone that coming in was known as, okay, you know, he's, he's a high ceiling player, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done with him. He didn't have a lot of college reps. He didn't have a lot of reps throwing the ball and the 49ers kind of gave up on him pretty quickly. I'm not saying the Bills are going to do that. The Bills have been very loyal to their players, but it's something where if, you know, you get a phone call and, hey, we're interested in Kyrie Elam, Brandon Bean should at least listen and see what's, you know, being offered, what's out there. If you believe in the depth behind him, if you believe in those young guys like Ingram, for instance. But I do agree with you. And listen, to, to you know, anyone that's uh, doubting Kyrie Elam, I thought today was actually his maybe his best preseason outing. But the problem is, it's when he was playing, who he was playing against, and the fact that he was out there in the second half uh, of a game. It doesn't match up with where he was drafted, where you want to get him onto this field, and, and the type of level of play you want to have him against. So there's definitely some concerns to be had there, but having depth at a position like cornerback is a good problem to have. Uh, let's uh, pivot here a little bit. I want to get into uh, a bunch of things um, and then, of course, come back in a couple days because uh, we're going to have our my 53 man roster projection will be out tomorrow. And then we will come back with the show for our 53 man projection on Monday after we get a chance to watch this one back. You know, offensively, you know, Sean McDermott mentioned after the game that he did not call the defense today. He handed over the call sheet to John Butler, the Bills uh, defensive backs coach, so he could kind of take a, a bigger look at a how guys how guys were playing, how long they were playing, and then just you know from an evaluation standpoint, I think if you're so dialed in on the defense, it's harder to kind of watch the entire process. Um, he said initially that we'll see if he's going to take the play, the call sheet back for against the Jets. So it's like, you know, something that's been one of the biggest storylines of the offseason. You could have a big pivot there if that wasn't going to be the case. Well, he pulled Jay Skirsky from the Buffalo News aside afterwards, let him know that he is planning to call the plays against the Jets. But what I do think that this allowed them to do, Ryan, is see what it would look like if they do get to a point where he wants somebody else to call the defense. Like maybe they get into a game situation and doing all of that is a little bit too much. And he wants to take a step back and he wants to, you know, see who can do it. Letting John Butler kind of get out there and do that today, I think was, it was a huge piece for McDermott as he continues to evaluate the process moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And listen, what's the one thing I noticed today with that first team offense? No boneheaded penalties. They didn't come out with only 10 guys uh, on the first play. There weren't 12 penalties by this team in general in the first half or anywhere close to it. They looked prepared. They were in a good spot. And, you know, maybe Sean McDermott watches this game back. And like you said, in the back of his mind, he says, okay, John Butler did a really good job today calling the plays for me. Uh, this is something where if the Bills come out in week one and maybe even in the first half, they're sloppy, they're, they're a lot of penalties, a lot of problems. 
he can kind of go back to focusing on that the head coaching part of it and making sure his players are where they need to be and doing their jobs and responsibilities on both sides of the ball uh, and in letting Butler kind of handle the play calling. So it's an interesting wrinkle. It's an interesting storyline to follow. Yes, he did say that he'll be calling uh, you know, the, the plays on the defensive side of the ball, but, but I liked how much different this team looked from last week against Pittsburgh. And maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it has nothing to do with McDermott not calling the plays today and not having more focus on the team in general, but it was noteworthy to me. I thought the offensive line did a complete uh, 180 off of last week. I mean, I think that from a protection standpoint, there were a few plays, the first team offensive line in, in particular, we could get into some of the depth guys that, you know, maybe struggle a little bit. I think I sent you after my big arrow up for Alec Anderson last week, we had to put that arrow down, but I, I do want to preface that by saying like, they're asking him to do a lot. They said on the broadcast, like it's almost like he's becoming the modern Ryan Bates where he's playing interior. They're throwing him out to tackle, which is what they brought him in initially at last year. And he just looks like, Oh, Hey, I've been playing interior offensive line all summer. You're asking me to now play tackle in this spot. Cause you know, those guys banged up and it was tough. Vandemark, interestingly, they, they ran him all at right tackle today. So I feel like that's a way to kind of check. If we do get in a situation where we have to have, we like you at left tackle, but can we trust you to put you out there at right tackle? I thought that was really interesting the way that they kind of changed things up a little bit. And Vandermark came in later in the game after Questenberry went in at left tackle with the second team. Yeah, so I want to watch back RVD's snaps. I really think that he might be in play to be offensive tackle number three for this team um, because you are getting him those reps at right tackle. Where in the first preseason game, boy, did he struggle at right tackle, but he looked good at left tackle. He looked good at left tackle again uh, last week when given opportunities, but it, it's that one side. If you can trust him enough to play both sides, he is someone that you want to continue to develop. He is someone that is still young, that has made really good strides uh, in this scheme under Aaron Cromer. So uh, definitely worth consideration for not just making this roster, but maybe being the first guy off the bench if something were to happen to Spencer Brown uh, or obviously Deion Dawkins. As for the starting offensive line, Matt, I thought they looked great today. I thought David Edwards did a commendable job in Connor McGovern's spot. Uh, I think Osiris Torrance once again came and, and answered the bell for this team. And I, I know they're still saying it's a competition, but I don't know how you roll a rookie out three games in a row with your first team offensive line. He performs very, very well in all three preseason games. And you can't say that he's not your starter at this point in time. I get that you, you respect Ryan Bates and everything he's done. I know that there will be some rough patches for Torrance in season. He's a rookie. That's how it works. But I, I think he's answered every question, checked every box, and that the Bills are in really good hands, especially in, in terms of the talent and depth on their interior. But across the board, I, I really liked what I saw from the starting offensive line today. Yeah, and I wanted to specifically talk about Spencer Brown for a moment because this was, I thought, a really good bounce-back performance. I mean, depending on how you evaluated it last year, I know there was some kind of chatter about maybe it being about Josh Allen's pocket presence more so than how the offensive line performed, and that's that's a fair assessment. But I think that there were plays where it just looked like Spencer Brown was off balance. Now, I want to also mention this Bears defensive line is not scaring anybody. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to really derail the season of Tremaine Edmonds with how bad I think this defensive line for the bears could end up being this season. Uh, that's a whole nother topic, but I thought today 
Spencer Brown did exactly what he had to do. He looked good. He looked the part against uh, whatever they were throwing at him. Got out a couple times in the run game. I thought the Bills kind of pushed uh, the line forward a little bit and opened up some holes for James Cook. That one, um, you know, uh, I think it was the screen pass to James Cook. was. That's the kind of exciting stuff that we were talking about back on the fourth day of training camp that they could kind of do when they're able to get their offensive linemen out in space. Um, I think there was kind of like a phantom holding call on that play or a legal block downfield. It might've been David Edwards on that one um, with maybe his one uh, like arrow down for the day. But I agree with you. I thought Edwards was great. It looked like the Deion Dawkins that we're, we're used to seeing. This was a really important performance for the offensive line, just because of what I think it could do from a confidence boosting perspective, really get them to the level they need to be at from a confidence perspective, going up against what is going to be arguably the best defensive line in the league, or at least the best defensive tackle pass rusher in the league in Quinton Williams. Yeah, this is going to be a huge test for them in week one, especially seeing how they fared against another elite defensive line in Pittsburgh a a week ago. Uh, But all positive signs today, I'm sure the Bills are going to have, uh, you know, a good plan in place for protecting Allen, for keeping someone else uh, back there. And uh, real quick, James Cook, I've been really impressed with his uh, protection too. this whole preseason in terms of staying in and blocking. That was an area that was considered a weakness of his, something that would keep him off of the field as like a, a, a three down back uh, in this league. And I think he's already made great strides in that area. Look good running the ball today too. So a uh, huge test after a, a letdown week. And I think the O-line played really well. And, you know, you spoke on Josh Allen. I don't think he broke away from the pocket at all today too early. There was one play where he broke away from the pocket. I thought it was actually at the right time threw across his body to Gabe Davis. So uh, another encouraging sign for this offense is, is Josh Allen trusting the O-line today the way that he did. Um, Another person I want to really point out that got really heavily involved today, which is what I think they've been hiding all summer is Deontay Hardy. Like he looked Mm -hmm. great today. There was one reception that he had, where he caught it, I think maybe four yards and turned it into an eight-yard gain with that run after the catch. They weren't kidding with that. Uh, when they talked about that was what one of the reasons why they acquired him. He is tougher than his size. I mean, he's somebody that really competes. And I think what we saw today from Deontay Hardy, and uh, let me just check, and he was playing a little bit more than some of the other starters, which I thought like, hey, I, I think you've seen enough. You might want to just pull him off the field. Six targets. That was a team high for the Bills. Four catches, 23 yards. And again, not a ton of yardage, but you could just see what he potentially can mean for this offense with his speed. I think that performance today is the nail in the coffin for the Andy Isabella hype train because I think that they're going to have a role for Deontay Hardy, which was already established. You know, Andy Isabella had that really unfortunate fumble uh, on special teams today, and that's just a situation now where I think, depending on what's going on with Kair, uh, Khalil Shakir, which um, it's a ribs deal, so I'd imagine he'd probably return to practice here in the next couple of days. We'll we'll track that. I don't know, Ryan. I, I don't know if I've seen enough, considering that he's under roster control over the next three years, to put Isabella over uh, Shakir at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's more than fair. I think that the fumble you mentioned is never bodes well for a player that's right firmly on the roster bubble. Uh, could the Bills release Isabella and bring him back after they make some procedural moves, moving guys of the IR, et cetera? Yes, I, I also think there's a, a chance that you uh, tell him, you know, there's a spot for you on this practice squad. We like a lot of what you did this summer. You're an injury away from being uh, signed to this 53-man roster. Come, you know, come with us, stay with us. 
Um, but he also, you know, he might have opened some eyes across the league that there's still something there in terms of the speed, the ability. I think the Bills were just trying every which way to get him onto this roster as a return man, as a gunner on special teams, obviously playing wide receiver. But in this final preseason game, he didn't do enough. And obviously that fumble could uh, be costly for him. I'm, I'm not saying he's completely out of the picture yet for this 53-man roster, but I'm not leapfrogging him over Khalil Shakir, who missed this time with the rib injury. Like you said, cost control contract uh, for the time being. I can't necessarily put him ahead of Justin Shorter, a, a draft pick this year. But I, I'm also going to say I think there's still a path for him to this final roster. If you want to find an amazing path to some uh, burger deals, head over to the Tops World of Burgers. It is yours to explore. With over 30 ready-to-grill burgers, Tops is the place to pick out the juiciest, most delicious burgers in town. From beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger. Tops World of Burgers is yours to enjoy. Ryan, we are going... I shouldn't even say going back to Wing Nuts because we are going to have the grand opening of the Shout at Wingnuts uh, in Amherst, the new location, Saturday, September 16th at 6 p.m., the night before the Bills' home opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. Shout Live is coming to Wingnuts, 1402 Millersport Highway, uh, the old Santoras, which is now the official flagship uh, of Wingnuts. Everybody can come out, see a little shout, and check out uh, Room 40, which should be uh, uh, debuting. Uh, by that time, Matt, I cannot wait. Our uh, friend Mark, a shout text insider, was there today, sent some pictures uh, from Wing Nuts. He tried to order the Screaming Perinos and the Tangy Talbots. He said, Not on the menu at this time. We'll have to work on that. But I'll send a text to AJ. Apologies. You know, Apologies that's right. That. He, uh, but he ordered quite a few wings today, and you can't go wrong with Wing Nuts. We cannot wait to be there uh, the night before the home opener. Um, let's get into a couple of defensive performances that stood out because, you know, one of the tough decisions that I think the Bills face as well is what to do on this defensive line. You know, Brandon Bean mentioned it on the broadcast today that Von Miller, listen, he's trending up. Like he's getting closer uh, to being able to kind of rejoin his team, start practicing. But I think you have to kind of bake in, right? Like say he's at a spot where, you feel like he could start practicing again this week. And that gives him like that two week window before the jets game. And you're saying, okay, let's have him make the 53 man roster and practice for two weeks and, and, and you'll get him back. Sure. I think that Ned, that in that case, you have him make the 53. You don't mess around with pop. You want Von Miller if he's able to go, but the fact that he hasn't been able to do anything other than the stuff off to the side yet makes me hesitant to think that that's going to be the play. And the fact that they want to take this down to the wire is really interesting. You know, on the broadcast, they also said that Brandon Bean might, you know, he didn't dispute the fact that he might take 10 or 11 defensive linemen. I think you can get that done in the 53 man roster projection. A little bit of a teaser. Maybe there will be 11 in mind tomorrow. You'll see. You know, uh, come to the site, Syracuse.com, New York Upstate. Check it out. But the Von Miller part of this equation could really reshape things and could force them into a move, whether it be a trade as unlikely as I think that that is. I think A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham, both with a sack today, probably want them in the mix in some way. You got guys like Kingsley Jonathan, Shaq Lawson, one guy that was a big part of what they did last year, and I think another guy that they are very high on. You, if you got to cut one of those like guys, like it, 
you're they're probably gonna get poached. Yeah, so you know, first of all, with Von Miller, obviously, if he's ready to go, you play him, and he's been putting some pads on. He had the helmet on at practice. I still don't know where we're at with Von Miller. I know Brandon Bean said we're gonna take this down to the wire. But correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like he said that last year about Trey White as well. We're going to take this down to the wire. And then he didn't even come back and wasn't even ready until, you know, Thanksgiving. And I don't think that that's the scenario that we're in, obviously, with Von Miller. I think he's much closer to a return. His recovery, he seems to be further ahead than White was at a different position, different skill set, what he needs to do, obviously. But I still think, in my opinion, we're, we're probably still going to look at the pop four weeks get him back, but it will make things really tough for this team if he does come back. And that, again, great problem to have if Von Miller is ready to go for week one. But what do you do with those younger options? Uh, you mentioned Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa both had a sack today. You know, Epinesa on that, I think it was the first drive, uh, almost came through with a strip sack on Justin Fields. He came around the end. He beat his guy. He put his arm out, swung it out there, just missed the ball on, on Justin Fields. Uh, Would have been a great play. His sack, though, I thought that Boogie Basham earned, uh, deserved a lot of credit for that, the way that he came off the one side. Puna Ford collapsed the pocket on that play, and Epinez was able to kind of clean it up. So both of the of their younger, former, you know, day two draft picks, I thought, had nice days today. You still have Shaq Lawson. Um, you have a Kingsley Jonathan who they've developed, and he had a pretty quiet overall preseason, made a few plays last week, but... Again, Bill's going heavy on the D-line. I think it's very possible with, you know, five legitimate defensive tackle options, uh, five or six defensive end options. So that's going to be the most interesting position or unit, I should say, to see how it shakes out here at the 53-man roster. Were you surprised at all that Boogie Basham got the start today? Or do you think that that was more about wanting to give a guy an opportunity to see what he did with it? Because you already know that you're going to lean on a guy like Leonard Floyd that came in after the fact. And is that something that you feel like was a plus for Boogie that he started in this game? Or was it something where maybe they're holding back Floyd and AJ Appanessa because they're already kind of have a good feel for who those guys are and what they're going to be in their, in, in their rotation. I definitely was more of an opportunity for Boogie Basham. I obviously agree with you that Leonard Floyd's going to be playing a big role for this team. Uh, even if Von Miller is going to be out there in week one, you're still going to have a, a role for Floyd, a big role for Greg Rousseau and our friend Jessica here in the comments. I think maybe it could have been a little bit of a showcase as well to see what he could do. And I think when you go back and watch the tape that he had a nice day today. So you know, when you have a surplus of talent at a position and you need to maybe make a trade or two or make some moves, acquire another draft pick. If you're going to be sending a draft pick away for another position, however, it ends up working. Yeah. Showcasing him. That might also be a possibility, but Boogie Basham has had a decent preseason. Uh, yeah. I think that this was a case to see how does he look with the ones? Can he kind of build off of that? And, you know, you mentioned the sack. He, I thought he would, earns a lot of praise or credit for Epinesa's sack as well. So it was a good day for him, regardless of what the Bills end up doing with Boogie Basham. Juan, with the shout-out to the Shout Insider text line, um, you want to become an insider. I I'm feeling really gener generous the last week, you know, and I through tomorrow, I want to give out a one-month free trial. If you DM me on Twitter, at Matt Perino, or email me, mperino at nyup.com that's m-p-a-r-r-i-n-o at nyup.com because 
You get a month free to check this thing out. And what Juan is talking about here, the callback to Pickens was so good. What could have been, you know, I tweeted last year, Ryan, about, I would say a couple weeks before the draft about should the bills consider Pickens at number 25. And if you remember correctly, I was very high on the idea of maybe the bills trading out of that pick at 25 and then securing a guy like George Pickens, who now all of a sudden a year later, looks like one of the best young receivers in the NFL. Just think about that trio, Um, you know, Pickens, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and obviously they went out and they got Dalton Kincaid a year later, which is also, you know, bolstering that passing attack in a different way. And he could become their number two as well. But it's just kind of just threw that out there as kind of just a think about it type of thing while watching the Steelers game. That's the kind of stuff we're going to do in the text line. And so if you text 716-528-6727, start your free trial or DM me and I'll give you a month. What about that, Ryan? Yeah, it's a great deal. Can't beat it real quick. George Pickens, elite talent. There were some red flags about him coming out, but kudos to him and the Steelers thus far. It really seems like he's been outstanding there in Pittsburgh. He's uh, unbelievable talent on the field, and it seems like he's you know maybe uh, really taken the message to heart falling in the draft in terms of where he landed versus his talent, and he's turned it into something really positive thus far. I want to get into a couple of uh, defensive backs who were outstanding today and every time they've been on the field, whether it's been in preseason, training camp, practices, they've both been excellent. And, you know, Saran Neal, like, I don't think we could talk enough about the level to which that he has raised his game. Like, I think, like, we've talked about Taylor Rapp, right? We've talked about Puna Ford, Leonard Floyd, reinforcements, right? Guys that they brought in to be those depth options in case you get dinged somewhere. Taron Johnson is about as important to this defense as anybody. Having Saran Neal behind him with the way that he has played this summer, I think that gives you a lot of confidence. He's been physical. He's been great in coverage. Uh, you know what he already brings you on special teams. Like people a couple weeks ago were trying to say that Saran Neal is a cut candidate. He's as far from a cut candidate as there is. I think he's an absolute lock. And I think like, you know, in certain situations against the Travis Kelsey's of the world and some other matchups, they're still going to try to utilize him. Uh, and he's had a great summer. Yeah. You know, his first pass breakup came where the ball hit him off, off of his behind and he kind of did the whole sword and the holster type of deal, but it was Dude, honestly, that, that's such a dad of two statement right off the behind, right off the old keister, Matt. You know, but it, it was and it was typical cornerback too to celebrate it in you know in, in typical fashion. But he had really good coverage on that play. And he came back later with another pass breakup, a legitimate pass break that he got his hands on. Uh really good summer for him. Oddly enough, his his one big miscue today was on special teams where he has been an ace for this team over the course of his career, downing the the ball within the 10. He had it kind of slip right through him and go into the end zone for a touchback. Uh, uncharacteristic play from him there. But in terms of his defensive play, yes, he has played very well overall this preseason. Uh, I think there's a lot of criticism for him at times because of what we've seen over the course of his career. But he's fitting in nicely into the role where they're maybe not putting as much on his plate defensively, where they were kind of moving him around different spots at times. I think now they kind of have him secured into that nickel cornerback position behind a Taron Johnson, and he's looked good in that role. You cut Cam Lewis on Tuesday, and it'll be seconds before multiple teams try to sign him. He's that good. 
I think. Um, you could do multiple things with him. You saw his toughness. You saw his physicality play out in this game today. He's such a well-rounded player. Seems to always be at the right place at the right time. Of course, the highlight that everybody remembers was him being at the right place at the right time and maybe not doing the right thing at the right time. Uh, but he's obviously worn that and, and taken full responsibility for it. And you can't really define a player by one play over the course of the career. He competes. Um, obviously, this is a very pro-UB uh, podcast. Uh, the UV kids that kind of come into the to the mix, and maybe there's a little bias there. Um, but, no, yeah, I think he's definitely going to make the roster. Uh, I'm at that point with him. We'll talk more about that on Monday and what that means for the safety room. But I think Jamarcus Ingram is an, another guy that they like, and a guy that when you cut him, just because I just don't think there's going to be enough roster spots, I do think he ends up going somewhere else. Kind of in that uh, Nick McLeod uh, type of situation where another team just scoops him up and, and gets him in the mix right away. Yeah, both UB guys really had nice games today. Cam Lewis has had a strong summer overall, the versatility that he has shown on this defense. And, you know, if the Bills can find a roster spot for him, I'm all for it because of how much he can do for this team and how important he's suddenly become in terms of how you can fill him in in various spots. Jamarcus Ingram, it definitely seems like a numbers game for him. Uh, if he does go unclaimed, though, the Bills within seconds would would try, you know, in terms of once he passes waivers, would uh, add him to their practice squad because of how well he's developed in the system, how good he has uh, looked. The fact that he had the interception today after what should have been a touchdown uh, for the Bears. It was a great throw by their backup quarterback or their, their UDFA QB uh, in the end zone. And then the next play after that drop, he throws the interception. Ingram comes back later. Uh, with a pass breakup on a fourth and two or a fourth and three play getting in there. So really nice way to end the preseason for Ingram. And if he did get claimed a la, you know, Nick McLeod, good for him because he is talented enough to be on a 53-man roster, uh, albeit probably lower in a depth chart. But I, I think there's still room for him to grow as a player too and slowly rise up a depth chart, whether it's here in Buffalo or elsewhere. Uh, so time is running out this summer uh, to get up to Darien Lake. And right now, Tops and Darien Lake have uh, combined for the exclusive Six Flags Darien Lake Evening Pass. You can get it at Tops for $29.99 plus tax. Uh, exclusive Evening Passes are available for purchase at any Tops checkout today for $29.99 plus tax. Evening Passes are valid for park admission after 5 p.m. Don't miss the Laser Light Summerfest. Presented by Tops. Plus, you could save time and skip the line with your time your Tops Bonus Plus card. Show your bonus plus and skip the lines at Darien Lake Amphitheater Concerts. Offer not available to purchase at Six Flags Darien Lake. Valid specific operating days, May 20th through September 3rd, 2023. So you got some time left. Ryan, final word. Deliver it. Final word, Bills Mafia. Keep your eye out there on the trade market. I think Brandon Bean might be looking, and it might be a position you know you weren't expecting after being in on Trey Lance. Maybe the Bills try to find an, a quarterback upgrade. I was not impressed with Kyle Allen's play today. Nice throw to Quentin Moore's first score, but still too many incompletions, too many missed throws. Uh, maybe it's a Matt Corral, a young quarterback in Carolina, if that's the route they want to go with a young quarterback on a rookie deal. There's going to be some good veterans cut out there too, and I still think there's uh, – some looming issues at middle linebacker, although Tyrell Dodson just kind of seems like the last man standing. 
that's why we didn't really get too much into it today, Ryan, because I, 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 I posted this up like the tough decisions. And that's like the easiest decision that there is because there's there's not a lot of competition happening at that middle linebacker spot. They're hoping Terrell Bernard can practice again next week, maybe get himself back into the mix. But it's not like you're bringing in some big heavyweight, uh, no no shade thrown towards Terrell Bernard for a size. So don't confuse that. But I, like this is a guy that's a former third round pick that started one game in the league. Like this isn't somebody that you're bringing into the mix. Um, that has a lot of proven ability. Um, it, it, he was going to be a, an important part of this competition, but it just hasn't materialized the way that they hoped. Some good, some bad from Tyrell Dotson. Today, I want to go back and look at it on the replay, and we'll come back on Monday. We'll talk more about this middle linebacker situation. The linebacker situation at whole as a whole with Balen Spector leaving with a hamstring injury today, and we'll get into uh, some really important conversations for this 53-man roster cut down. Uh, it's coming. Tuesday's almost here. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Take care.